All right, everybody. Hey, we got. Uh, well, we're uh, we're gonna switch uh, genres slightly here. Uh, we're still on two wheels. We're still in the dirt, but we're going uh, we're going off road. We're going into the woods. We're going. Uh, we're talking Ersberg. We're talking TKO Hard Enduro. We're talking all kinds of stuff. We got. Uh, a gentleman who just uh, received something. Man, I, I tried finding out if anybody else has ever won this. We looked into this, and we're not sure Canadians have done this ever before. Maybe uh, Duhamel back in the day, but we've got Tristan Hart, just won AMA's Athlete of the Year. Tristan, that's a long intro, but thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a pretty cool achievement, honestly. They, there was a pull-up a long time ago, and I never even, I never even put anything up online about it because I just didn't think anything of it and then the AMA uh, director phoned me like a week or two ago and said that I won it and I was like wow didn't expect that yeah it's, it's pretty cool man I mean first of all you're one of boy i don't even know who, what other canadian has got a full factory ride in the states for one thing and then to win this ama thing i mean uh, you're in some pretty rarefied air here man yeah definitely canadians were not we're not known for our dirt biking skills we're known for hockey <laughs> skiing maybe but definitely we're not known for dirt biking and, and hopefully i'm changing that a little bit you know dylan Right, doing really good too, and Tyler Medegula is doing really good. But yeah, hopefully we can kind of change that that view of Canadian trying good dirt bikers around, and maybe get the youth inspired uh, and show them that it's possible. If you want it bad enough. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. I mean, you wonder if something like this, you know, is kind of a catalyst to kind of get, certainly gets us known on the world stage. And you wonder, does that actually trickle down to getting more people into it somehow and stuff like that? Because, uh, I mean, obviously our country is so spread out and big and everything, but there are smaller countries that do a lot better in certain sports than we do. That's for sure, huh? Yeah, that, that's definitely for sure. <laughs> hey, not to mention uh, not to mention the AMA Athlete of the Year, but you also won the CMA White Memorial Trophy for the best performance by a Canadian rider in all disciplines. So you uh, you got all of North America covered in the awards this year. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. that was that was also pretty cool to get that, and yeah, two awards in one year, not bad. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you, but I won the uh, CMA's Media of the Year. I believe that you deserve it. <laughs> I believe, I'm, I'm ready to believe that. <laughs> no, just just kidding. It's kind of it's kind of funny. No, it's a nice. Uh, it's obviously nice to get uh, recognized for stuff, man. But uh, um, yeah, okay. So uh, for starters, let's let's back it up. I mean, we've I've done a few interviews with you now, but we were basically just talking about your racing that day. For example, Outliers last year in Calgary and stuff like that in the Badlands. But let's uh, let's for people listening to this and because it's a podcast we can kind of uh, tangent all over the place if we like since you're driving and uh, where are you driving to right now I'm actually I'm in the Phoenix area right now and I'm just driving to a to a riding area 40 minutes or so outside of Phoenix oh wow did you get to go to the Super Bowl or what uh, I actually wanted to go because I'm a pretty big fan of Mahomes but the nosebleeds were Five band, and I'm like, ah, that ain't gonna happen. But we went to a friend's house and we watched it. It was a good time. It was a pretty crazy game. Patrick got hurt with that injury he's been dealing with, and then kind of the end of the game stuck, in my opinion. But whatever. It was good up until the last two minutes. Yeah, that was a weird way to end, unfortunately. But whatever. Um, hey, you couldn't just walk around with your two awards around your neck and say, hey, listen, I'm going down to uh, the 50 yard line. 
nah, they wouldn't let me in. They saw the award, they're like, what award? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, okay. So, like I say, I want to kind of back it up because, I mean, people listening to this are like, okay, I mean, it's kind of, do you, would you say, is it split maybe evenly this way? Motocrossers, we're, we're motocross, supercross fans, we're kind of fickle in that we're very specified in our motor, motorcycle off-road likes and stuff like that do would you say more off-road people follow moto than moto people follow off-road or what do you think the balance is there yeah absolutely i think everyone in off-road follows supercross at least but i don't think many moto guys really follow off-road but i think that's also changing especially with the the extreme enduros like really blowing up because of the videos that go out online and some of the crazy stuff we're doing we either getting up a impossible looking rock face or one of us is just throwing our bikes down a 40 foot cliff so it kind of it kind of gets the people going i think which is definitely good for growing the sport of extreme enduro because it's just got that a wow factor to it yeah i agree with that because i mean most of us uh you know racing moto every once in a while somebody either talks you into it or there's no racing or it's late fall and moto's done and an enduro race comes up so i mean my history has only been gone out in a couple enduro races and boy i i found it tough i didn't enjoy it i i, I didn't enjoy it at all but then you mentioned the wow factor of the extreme stuff dude i was at outliers and we were out on the course the day before and we're in the middle and there's a section and we're a few of us are looking at each other and we're like why are there banners over there we're like that is that just delineate where you can't go like because we're like there is no way no way you can go up that i don't even think there's a way you could go down it and it turns out that was part of the final lap like that was insane yeah i mean outliers i think was one of the gnarliest ones i've done in my whole life like some of that stuff when I was, because we got to go walk the cars, and when I was walking it, I was just like, God, I really don't know if that's even possible. No. And then, you know, you get on the bike, and one guy does it in front of you, and then you're like, well, I have to do it now, and then you pretty much give yourself no choice, and you just, you will yourself right up it, and all of a sudden it happens. So it's definitely crazy. Yeah, like, like I'm not exaggerating. We, we looked at it and we thought, I wouldn't even go down that. And they're supposed to, I don't need, I, we couldn't tell, up or down, it didn't make any sense. And then it also would have helped because we all went into that middle section and we're standing there waiting to get photos and watch you guys come through. And after about, I don't know, two hours, somebody finally goes, hey, are you guys waiting to watch them go by? We're like, uh, no, we're just out in the middle of the Badlands for no reason. And, they go, <laughs> and they're like, only the first couple of guys do this section on the final lap. We're like, well, that would have been nice to know. <laughs> uh, that sucks because some of the that last section was really tough but just on the other side of that hill the stuff we were doing every lap had like three or four hills that were just absolutely insane <laughs> I know we'd be st- <laughs> we were all like there was literally there were hundreds of people down there and we're all we'd see you go we'd see oh there they are and you go across the top of a ridge <laughs> and that was all we'd see of you we're like we're doing something wrong here <laughs> yeah that's a bummer because that honestly was probably one of the best spectating races in extreme enduro just because how condensed that course was and then you could get up on top of a ridge and kind of see us do multiple hills so yeah that that race is truly a really good spectating you know venue 
Yeah, well, I certainly learned a bit from that experience. So if I go back next year, I'll uh, I'll know for for the next one. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was pretty crazy. But okay, so um, let's let's like I say, I wanted to kind of back it up here and talk to people because I'm I went uh, you know I kind of scrolled on your uh, your Instagram and all the way to the back, and it was uh, the very first thing you put up there was 2012. And it was an enduro race. You're on a two-stroke KTM, uh, number twelve, I believe. What or sixteen? Take us, take us yeah. way back. How the heck did you get into? Did you start in moto? Did you start in trails? Take us back to your origin. So I actually started in moto from four to seven years old, and then I actually ended up going to Walton. I won the fifty junior, the fifty-four to six championship at Walton, and then the next year most likely we were going to go to Loretta's and maybe see how that went, but in a simple little track in my parents' yard, because we have an acreage, I ended up hitting a tire, car wheel on the bike, and it landed on my leg, and I broke my femur. Oh. So I was seven years old, and then at that point, I was in a full body catch from my chest all Jeez. the way to my toes, and my parents pretty much just said, yeah, I think we're good here. <laughs> you know, we... We got that 50 championship, and I think we've done everything we could. <laughs> so that was kind of more or less it for my motocross career. And then they ended up buying us a boat because they're like, we live on a lake in Invermere. It's like, yeah, we'll do that in the summer instead. And then I ended up not liking water at all. <laughs> I never really liked water. So that backfired. And then my dad, he grew up trail riding. So then when we were like 12 to 13 years old, we got into trail riding, but just like really, just for fun, like really only a couple times a year at that point. And like, we were just playing soccer, hockey, pretty much every sport you could play, uh, I was playing at that point. Okay. And then it wasn't until I was 16 years old, which is the, the picture you were looking at is when I really started taking it seriously. And then, we started doing just local hair scramble, local off-road races. And then it was just natural since where we lived, there's just mountains everywhere that we just started, uh, you know, riding our bikes up stuff that shouldn't be possible. And for some reason, my brother and I and one other guy, we found it really fun to just do the gnarliest stuff possible. And then, you know, them being my brother and his friend were two years older than me and at a young age like 15 16 it was it made a big difference like they absolutely schooled me every day so that <laughs> i contribute a massive part of my success to my brother being two years older and being better my whole life and me being really competitive it just it obviously just drove me nuts my whole life <laughs> until until you know a couple years later when finally I got a little bit better, and then, then he didn't like that so much. <laughs> how come? How come you got better? Did he uh, have other interests, or did you just take it more seriously? How did that happen? Well, he was always just really naturally talented. So he, you know, we'd go, we'd find a section that's really hard. He'd clean it on the first or second try, and then he'd just go home, and I'd <laughs> stay there for maybe two hours, and I'd I'd spend two hours trying to clean the same section that took him maybe two minutes. So I just. I always just had that extra drive where he was just so naturally talented. It didn't matter. You just clean and be like, all right, that was easy. <laughs> oh, wow. See, I always, I find genetics very interesting. Do you look the same or does one of you look like the dad and the other like the mom? Like, are you guys similar or are you guys different? Yeah, he looks like my mom and I look more like my dad. Ah, okay. See, there's the difference. That's funny. That's, that's interesting how that works. 
Yeah, but yeah, definitely he was a he was a big part of my whole career, I'd say. That's cool. Now, did he move on to other sports, or is he still ride? What does he do? So, he actually ended up, I kind of took him out at one point. It buggered one of his knees, and he's <laughs> six foot four. So, just being that tall in dirt biking is never really that good for your knees. So, he, he ended up getting two bad knees near the end of his racing days. So, then he just kind of called it quits and... Oh, okay. Oh, well, sorry, you and just faded so, out there for a second there. He has a what kind of business? He's got a roofing business. Oh, boy, that's tough work. Yeah, so that's kind of what we did in our in our summers for our <laughs> whole childhood. Okay, so you are a hard worker. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was go fast on a dirt bike or go home and go roof. So <laughs> I remember vividly there was one summer that I just hated it so much and then from that point on I never really I still go back every once in a while just to get the feel for a regular crappy job but from that point on I always just knew that that wasn't for me I was gonna go fast from that point on See, it's funny. I've had a, I, I did a job moving one year when I was in university for a, a, a summer job. And it's one thing to help someone move or help somebody with their roof. But knowing once you finish this one, there's another one. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a mental beat down right there. Yeah, exactly. There's just endless roofs for the whole summer. Yeah. The hot weather and it's, it's really tough on the body to the lower back. Yeah, but now my brother, he's kind of running that. So props to him and it's actually a joke now that says the racing career doesn't work out he, he's not even going to hire me back so I don't have another option at this point he's, he's not going to hire you back <laughs> no he won't let me back on the crew with the boys that's awesome now you're listed uh, I went on your on the old Wikipedia there on the KTM website now you're so you're you're listed as 6 foot 165 is that still accurate uh I, I'm six foot, but I'd say I'm more like 175 now. I've gained a bit more muscle the last two to three years. Okay, okay, nice, nice. All right. Now, I, you know what's funny is I've, I've been watching. I got other, obviously, other racing questions, but I've, I've been watching a lot of uh, YouTube and the uh, Kevin Nealon hiking with Kevin, and uh, he does the interviews where he walks, hikes through uh, California hills and stuff with people. And I kind of get a kick out of some of the questions he asks. And he, <laughs> so, uh, do you know what uh, the first thing comes up when you uh, so when you Google your name? You ever Googled your name? <laughs> I, I have no idea what would come up. <laughs> the top three questions are, how old is Tristan? Where was Tristan born? And what bike does Tristan ride? So you were born in 97. What does that make you? How old are you? 26. You just turned 26 last month too, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, do you feel old at 26? I felt oldest in my life at 26. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually... To be honest, the last two or three years, I've actually noticed this my increase, you know, in like recovery and just like more aches and pains, I would say. So it's actually been, and I just had to decrease my workload the last, like the last five years, every year I've had to decrease my workload. And I've been getting better by decreasing. So I mean, that's definitely working. 
Right. Well, it's good for you. I mean, you're obviously a full factory ride. You keep improving and stuff. I remember just at that age, I just you just finished university or whatever, and you're like, oh man, now life starts. And I kind of, oh man, I felt I just felt old, but uh, <laughs> not uh, yeah, physically as well as mentally. But okay, man. Well, hey, let's uh, let's uh, Lee Freiberger, like I mentioned. He uh, actually, speaking of Lee Freiberger, as a moto kid growing up and then switching to off road, did you have a, a riding hero? Who did who was your hero back then? This guy, his name is Bobby Prognow. Oh, Bobby Prognow, sure. Yep. You know him? Oh, yeah. He he was just such a savage and off-road. Like, I mean, I don't think he had much skill, but he just had determination, and it was just, yeah, he always just, he blew me away at how fast he could go. And, yeah, he was just, if you saw him, you wouldn't think he was a dirt biker, but... Yeah, he was an absolute animal, and just his willpower to win was really, really insane. And I ended up getting to go riding with him a couple of times, and he does me a lot about, you know, how to go about my training and all that. So at a young age, he was definitely the guy I looked up to. And when I just turned pro, there was a couple of off-road races uh, that I entered that he was kind of the peak near end of his career, and he beat me by like 30 minutes. And I was just like... <laughs> How is that possible? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's fun. It's funny you mentioned him because I think, I want to say maybe 2012, uh, me and Kyle Carruthers, we were staying in Kamloops and we went off-road riding with uh, Jim Small and a couple other guys and we got done the day up in the trails and then I, I want to say, I think it was Bobby came by and he had a loop that he had made to get ready for his off-road stuff and we made it to the rock section and I was really happy because Kyle crashed, hurt his ankle, and we didn't have to do the rest of it so we could go home. I was like, I do not want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he trained hard, that's for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was, so you find that fun going over wet logs and rocks and stuff, huh? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a weird kind of fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's uh, getting it done. I've, I've asked Shelby uh, Shelby Turner this too, and she says it's kind of the, the feeling of accomplishment when you're done it. Just getting through it is kind of the, the buzz. Yeah, that as well as when something's like so difficult and there's just to an untrained eye, it doesn't look possible at all. But, you know, after like years of practice and, you know, learning to look for little things and then kind of you get to a really tough section in a race and you gotta just pick it apart and you find a way where there shouldn't be a way. That to me is really, that's what keeps me going. Something that's really difficult that shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be able to get a dirt bike up and you figure a way up it, that to me is probably one of my favorite things about riding a dirt bike. Right, that, that makes sense. That's, I guess that's like I say, that's kind of what Shelby said too. Hey, before I forget, I also want to thank you. Uh, I took at Outliers, I took that literally 10 second video clip of you in downtown, was part of like the Enduro, core, Enduro Cross kind of section. You went through the tires like they weren't there, and then you tried to do that next section for the first time, and the front end got high, so you tapped the rear brake, and then you rolled the back wheel down the last little thing. I mean, it was basically a panic move, I have to think. But, uh, dude, that is now at 16.3 million views. And, yeah, I think a lot of people thought I did that on purpose. I didn't. But, yeah, <laughs> two times in a row I did that. And it was, like, literally the simplest jump. But I had just come off riding in Durocross where the suspension's a lot stiffer. So I was just hitting the... <laughs> 
the lip on that really hard and blowing straight through the stroke of the fork. And then it was just setting my front high because it was bonking as it bottomed out. And yeah, that was a really kind of embarrassing moment kind of in front of the home crowd. Well, <laughs> and then I got scared because I'm like, I couldn't even figure out what I was really doing for the longest time. And then I just realized I had to hit it at half the speed and then it was just like a 10-foot gap that was easy. <laughs> well, and it was interesting because I couldn't figure out what was going on on our Instagram page because I was getting so many uh, Spanish-speaking people. I thought it was all spam. And then I clicked on it. And I'm like, holy smokes. And I finally saw that it was the reel I put up. That, like like I say, 16, over 16 million. Are you like, um, I guess, obviously, off-road and stuff is huge in Spanish-speaking uh, in the world, right? So, I mean, are you super popular over in Spain or in, uh, you know, other places? Um, I don't know if I am, but I know Mario, Mario Roman is one of like the top hard enduro guys and he, he's really big in South America and pretty much all the Spanish speaking places. They definitely, they definitely love it for sure. Right, right. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not getting any money from it, but that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could have bought you some, uh, bought you a coffee. All right, dude. Well, let's, uh, I'm going <laughs> to, let me, uh, I mean, how much, how much driving do you have to do here? Are you almost where you got to go? No, I got, we got 20 minutes. Or so. <laughs> All right. Well, let's turn our attention to the, uh, the questions from Lee Freiberger. All right. So here we go. Question number one. He and I'm, these are word for word from Lee. So uh, he says, "We know you're a grinder, but how do you balance the work hard, play hard uh, part of life?" Uh, that's actually I'm still trying to figure that out. To be honest, that's that's probably my number one weakness in my whole career. I would say just trying to figure that out. I have a trainer. He's constantly telling me, "Do less, do less." He's always in my ear. My girlfriend, my family, they're all always telling me that. But I don't know. I just, I get scared, I think, sometimes that if I don't do that, I don't want to waste, you know, what could have been. If I do that one extra workout, then maybe I could have won. But sometimes not doing that extra workout means you will win. But it's a tough balance to find there. But yeah, still still trying to figure that one out. Okay. He also mentioned that uh, you see so many uh, top riders have such a heavy presence on social media, but that doesn't really seem to be your gig. Is that true? And are you getting pressure from your sponsors to be a bigger presence on uh, social media? Yeah. In the past, I definitely haven't been uh, super big on social media. I kind of just focus on doing my thing and then hopefully turning that into win, which is really, that's really what KTM wants. They want they want a winner so that's what they told me from day one and for me that's that always been my goal it's not to be you know you get you get to be famous from uh, winning but that's never really been my goal to be famous or well known or anything like that I just I like winning and that's that's that but recently uh, Spencer Wills and he's pretty famous on social media and all that stuff but he's actually kind of doing some of that for me and I uh, oh, good. really appreciate him. We actually just did a couple of YouTube videos because we have two vlogs out now and some GoPro from my last race. So we have started doing a little more, but yeah, that's in general, not my favorite thing to do, but I do want to, I guess, 
give back to the people and show them some stuff and help grow the sport too. Right, right now you mentioned YouTube. Is it as obvious to find as Tristan Hart or what's your YouTube page? Yeah, it's Tristan Hart. I think because it's so new though, it's it like, you gotta scroll down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> There's like other Tristan Hart videos that come up before my own YouTube. So you just gotta scroll down, I think, and then there's one we did in Dominican, and then my last race, King and Moto, we did one there, too. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Yeah, it also helps, like you say, to have someone else doing it. I mean, if it's, I would hate to be an athlete these days because uh, having to do all that. Like I, I always tell people, if I didn't have direct motocross and, you know, do this for a living, I think I would steer clear of social media, you know? Yeah, it definitely, do it properly, like, like Benny does on his, it's, it's like almost a, like a, a good part-time job, almost a full-time job to make everything look professional and always be doing the right things and steady posting is a lot of, a lot of work and it also, I don't know, it just taxes my, when I'm done my training, all that stuff, I just don't want to do anything else. I kind of want to just relax and I like, I like real estate quite a bit. So that's kind of one, to answer your previous question, that's one thing that kind of takes my mind off racing is, you know, kind of, get into real estate and set myself up for when I'm done racing. That's one thing that I put a lot of my time into, actually. Okay, yeah, it's good. That's actually a pretty common thing for guys. I know, well, certainly guys like JSR over there at KTM and stuff like that, and Kevin Benoit, people uh, certainly get into real estate. It's always, I always like hearing those stories, too, that when people are done racing, they have something that they thought about and put money into, and now they're solid after they leave racing. So that's... Uh, and I only know one person in my life that lost money on real estate, so you're 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 probably doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, the way I see it is I'm putting my body on the line like for really high risk for ten to fifteen years of my life. And at the end of it, if I don't have something to show for it, then that's not very good. There's a lot of sports guys that make good money and then like I mean basketball guys that make like real money and then they're finished their career and they have nothing. And off-road, obviously, we're like one millionth of the percent of what they make. <laughs> but I definitely, I want to have something to show at the end of it for sure. Yeah, good old real estate. Right. Oh, okay. Cool, man. All right. Well, um, a couple of these questions we kind of touched on here before, but uh, I thought this one was interesting here, and it's obviously changed this past couple of years here. But uh, Lee says um, he also said explain your career path, but we went over that, and he says despite your uh, impressive accomplishments so far, we haven't really heralded you that much until recently. And then he wanted you to kind of start start at the beginning and who influenced you and stuff. We kind of covered that, but I I just think it's an interesting point that uh, as you came up through the ranks, I, I didn't know about much about you. You obviously got hurt at a very young age the whole body cast femur thing that's crazy for a seven year old but uh, it's interesting yeah. that, that he mentions that it's just kind of until recently you know you sign sign with the big American uh, factory contract and stuff like that but so obviously four years ago you must have been doing well too to be coming up through that but uh, anyway he just kind of mentioned that we, we did touch on that so uh, yeah I want to um, just want to touch on that that he mentioned he also wanted here's a question though how did you end up in the u.s how did that all come up come together obviously you just did well and they came chasing you but uh, how did that happen so when i was 16 is when i really started taking it seriously and that's when we started doing some races in canada and the supporting canada for off-road was just so minimal like i mean god it was just so minimal bobby was making a bit of money he was working like in the winters and he was taking the summers off so I'm like okay so that's possible but then we went to an enduro cross race in the states and at that time 
caddy was winning everything and he was mm-hmm. making like a lot of money and you could just you could just tell that and it was also like at that time in 2012 there was like 10 factory guys in enduro cross so you could just tell the stadiums were packed the money was just there so in canada we have nothing a fraction of that so it became pretty obvious to me that if you want to make money you gotta go into the usa because that that's just the only option canada is so far behind in the dirt biking right. realm of trying to make money so that was just that was the only option so we my dad bought a sprinter van and we ended up to start driving down drive down drive back drive down <laughs> drive back because we weren't able to fly because we had to get a bike there which is the unfortunate thing about the dirt biking you can't just grab your soccer bag or hockey bag and fly anywhere you gotta get a dirt bike there somehow so that that was kind of how that started and then from then to now it's been it's been 10 years and uh the first five years i'd say were pretty slow <laughs> doing anything special but then 2017 i got on the podium and lost round one and that was really where things started picking up speed i'd say because cody called it those next couple of years i started beating one of them here and there and then in 2020, during COVID, is when I really took another leap, and that's when I got on the factory team. I beat Cody at his at his number one greatest hard enduro TKO. I beat him there, and then I ended up winning two enduro cross races that year. So that year really stood out as a massive leap for me, I'd say. Okay. And then from there, it's just been I've been injured through all that. Those last ten years, I had a rotator cuff surgery I had to go through my wrist dislocation was a really big one that still really hinders me today and then lots of other just I mean you name it I probably had it just <laughs> every toe I've probably broken lots of fingers that broken collarbone on like everything so just the regular wear and tear that this sport definitely it puts a toll on your body I'd say hey now I gotta so, yeah so it seems it seems like it just came out of nowhere, but it's been a it's been a ten year process that a lot of people didn't get to see much of that. Just like the last two years, people start seeing it, and they're like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> right, right. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit guilty of that myself here. But uh, hey, um, I, I was going to ask you this too. This is uh, straying away from Lee's questions, but obviously in Supercross, we always talk about how important the mental aspect of it is you kind of i mean everyone's got pretty good skills but you get out and you have to believe in it is enduro and enduro cross all this crazy stuff is it similar to that or is it just skill 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 you just have to be able to get through rocks ruts and these like or is mental game as important yeah so i mean like all the the top guys in any sport all you know they all got pretty much all the pieces so then at that point i think it just comes down to the mental part where everyone is just you know insecure about something i'd say and you kind of just gotta either push it aside overcome it but yeah the mental when you get to the top of sports that's where guys really start to stand out is how good mentally they can push through something push through pain push aside the pain that kind of stuff like i actually like within the last couple of years, I got really interested in studying the top guys in sports. Like Tom Brady's one guy I always follow. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the the best UFC guy. I really like him. Mm-hmm. The top tennis guys, I really like them because it just it all comes down to their mentality. When 
you know, to give an example, I mean, tennis, when the guy loses a couple sets and then he's got to win those no matter what or he's out, and then he just he makes it happen. And to me, that's really cool when the when the good guys can do that. Right. It's just funny you mentioned. I, I played a lot of tennis when I was younger and stuff, and it, I find it fascinating too. And that they always point out that uh, you're out, you're alone out there, man. You're standing out there by yourself. Nothing else can happen. And what I always kind of told, you can't take it personally. It's all you're just like a machine out there. Something weird happens. Whatever. It's not personal. You just got to be a machine and just go back and just do your do the work. And and I also found it funny that uh, Andre Agassi hated the game. <laughs> Did you read his book? No, should I? Yeah, it's, it's actually a good read. He uh, he hated it. He hated the grind. He hated. He ended up hating it. Just kept doing it. Huh. Yeah, it's an interesting huh. read. Yeah. But okay, hey yeah. man. Okay, couple last. I know you're trying to get uh, at your spot now. You want to go ride? So uh, he just uh, Lee was also wondering what uh, what your current what are your current contract obligations? I mean, your sport, man. You got like you're doing like ten different dis like. 10 different series it seems like every weekend it's uh, no this time it's a sprint enduro then it's enduro cross and it's hard enduro like what uh, what are your obligations like what, what do you have to do this year so this year i'll be doing the the six premier rounds in the usa for uh, the hard enduro and i'll be doing the ama enduro cross which is another six and then there's a really good chance that i'll be actually be doing the the world hard enduro championship this year so that's pretty big news if that happens i think a lot of people have already assumed i've been doing that but it's hasn't really been confirmed someone leaked something on enduro 21 i think so everyone just kind of assumed it but it's never really been official yet so we'll see on that here soon but that would include a lot of traveling because that's seven or eight ones in canada but the other six are like south africa germany (laughs) you know, kind of all over the Europe. So that, that'll be cool though. I'll get to see the whole world and hopefully have fun doing it. Now, is that the kind of thing that like Erzberg is part of and all that stuff or what? Yeah, yeah, Erzberg, Romaniacs. Right. That series. Okay, cool, man. All right, so you, uh, whether you do that or not, would you still go, if you're scheduled, would you still try to do uh, Outliers? Yeah, no matter what, I'll be doing Outliers. Okay, that's good. Yeah. All right. Okay, man. Well, um, okay. How about uh, one last thing? So, what do you ask? Oh, yeah. What do you? Okay. So you've uh, you've you've accomplished these things. You got these awards. What are you looking forward to? And where do you want to be? Like uh, not this year, but the next uh, next couple of years. What uh, what do you hope to do? I mean, at twenty six, where where do you hope to go? Huh. Well, I mean, hopefully I don't get stagnant, and uh, hopefully I just keep improving. Honestly, I don't want to feel like I've accomplished I don't feel like I've accomplished enough I feel like I want more and I'm for for Supercross I'm pretty old actually 26 is starting to get pretty old in Supercross but in off-road like some of the top Graham Jarvis is 47 years old I don't want to go near as long as that but <laughs> it just shows in this sport how mental it is where your body is getting used but it's a little easier on you than motocross and supercross where those guys really get beaten down hard, you know? So Cody Webb, he's 35, Taddy, he's 38. So it's just, there's a lot of old guys in the, Hmm. and those guys are like the top guys in our sport too. I just named three of the oldest guys that are three of the best guys too. So it's pretty cool to see that you can still get it done when you're old. So we'll see where the next, five to seven years takes me I guess it's uh 
it's an adventure that I don't really want to know the answers to yet, to be honest. Right. Well, you're still yeah. <laughs> surprise. What is your what are you what are you uh, signed for right now? How how many more years? This is my last year of a three year deal, so we'll see what happens come contract time, August, July. Nice. Hey, okay, so you're obviously, well, this is, uh, now I'm off. We're done with, uh, thank you very much to Lee Freiberger for uh, helping us out with a couple questions. Obviously knows your knows your story and he's into your, uh, your side of the sport for sure. But uh, it, I just want to throw this out there too. I mean, obviously you're Canadian, so it kind of goes without saying, but you're obviously one of the nicest guys at the races and stuff like that. I can see that with the fans just love you and you're signing autographs and stuff. And then I saw, I kind of met uh, Taddy, Taddy Blasuziak and, and that, I mean, talk about nice guys. Do you ever hang out with him? I mean, you two guys must go around and... Uh, <laughs> Do you hang out with Taddy? Yeah, I actually got to know him quite well this year because we raced each other. And I'll, I'll be honest, he was not like that a while ago. Oh, okay. He was in championship winning form. He wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to many people. He was like, but now he, you know, he's near the end of his career, and I think he's kind of giving back, and he realizes he's maybe not a championship guy anymore. So he's just giving back, which is good to see. <laughs> really happy about it too so that's because I think when you're in championship forming you're just so focused that you really just sometimes it can be a bother to talk to too many people because you really you just you're so focused on winning that one race and you're thinking like every possibility through so you, you obviously want to talk to people but it's a fine line when you got just got to say like I got to focus here and get the actual job done because you know if you can't win then you know the the factory ride could leave soon so it's a fine line there between giving back and also making sure you get the job done right well it was funny because I was sitting in the uh, the KTM pits and he just sat there man he was telling story after story people would come by and yell his name out and he was just up saying hey he just uh, like you say he's older now and he's just uh, I guess you kind of you start to realize how 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 you don't take it for granted anymore and you can really appreciate it I yeah. guess that's what it is <laughs> exactly that's exactly right all right buddy well I know you're uh, you're parked you're getting ready to go ride what kind of what discipline are you doing today uh, we're actually gonna go do some switchbacks on the two strokes so it'll be full hard enduro day today oh wow what's the weather like actually the snow is only a couple hundred feet above where we parked here in phoenix so it's actually they had a big storm yesterday it was only six degrees celsius driving here so it's actually like where i spend my winters in vancouver victoria in canada it's like the same same type of weather as here which is kind of crazy in phoenix versus canada it's almost the same temperature Right, right. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, well, enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right, dude. What's the, uh, what, sorry, what is the next race for you? Uh, the next race is actually Hawaii. It's a hard enduro there, March 10th, which is pretty cool. So I'll be going early and hopefully do some surfing with my friends and we'll see if I get smashed in some waves. Which island? Uh, Honolulu Island. Oh, okay. Big on Oahu. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Nice, man. All right, well, I, again, I appreciate you taking the time there. And you know what's fun? Sometimes when you're driving, it makes the drive go by fast. Next thing you know, you're there, and the, we have a, we've got a conversation. Yeah, so that's good. It helps. Absolutely. It's a good way to, to drive, for sure. I like that. Nice. Hey, who are you riding with? Any Canadians, or who are you riding with? Uh, Cooper Abbott. Okay. If you know him, he's pretty big in the enduro cross scene his dad Destry Abbott you may oh, know uh, yeah there's a name okay I guess uh, for sure <laughs> alright yeah, desert race champions absolutely 
Okay, man. Well, uh, yeah, be safe out there. Good luck in Hawaii, man. See, there you go. Now you get to travel around the world. That's, uh, that's got to be awesome. And uh, we appreciate, again, taking the time and congrats on winning the awards north and south of the border. Uh, continued success. And uh, we'll kind of try to keep in touch with you, man, along the way and uh, let everybody know what you're doing. So, again, appreciate it. Uh, this has been FMF KTM Factory Racing uh, rider Tristan Hart, buddy. Thank you very much for the time. Yeah, let's do this again soon. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day, man. Thank you. Good luck today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye.